Hey, welcome. This is Winning at Life with Gregory Ricks. I'm your host, Gregory Ricks, a Hall of Fame financial advisor here to answer your questions and help you win with your money. And I'm your co-host, James Parker. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. And real quick as a gift just for hanging out with us today, we're going to give you a report that we usually only hand out in person. Go to gregoryricks.com slash podcast 10. That's a podcast one zero. This is 20 things the rich do every day that poor people don't do. Definitions, rich people, people who are in the top 20% of income earners. Poor people, people who are in the bottom 20% of income earners. So this is separated out by quintile. Number one, 70% of wealthy eat less than 300 junk food calories per day. 97% of poor people Eat more than 300 junk food calories a day. I'm not sure if I passed that one, Gregory. I might be on the poor side of that one. Oh, no. We had dinner last night, and you know what happens at a restaurant a lot of the time? Oh, did you save some room for dessert? No. When you're working out as well, when you start, like, get on that elliptical, I see how many calories I burn and how hard it is. I'm like, dessert? That's going to kill what I had to do this morning. Yeah, when you realize that drinking a Dr. Pepper is 75 minutes on an elliptical, you might just get a glass of water. Yeah, that's, that is part of it, and, and that's even when they bring out the bread. Would you like some bread? No, don't bring it to my – you know what's going to happen if it comes to your table with some warm bread and butter? I'm going to have to eat the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, don't bring the bread, and don't, I'm not going to order dessert. 23% of wealthy gamble, 52% of poor people gamble. Wealthy people don't have to gamble because they're wealthy. They may have some fun with it, but it isn't like, oh, I've got to cash in tonight. Mm -hmm. We were in Bahamas at Atlantis, and the kids were with us. They're 20, and over there, 18, you can gamble. And they were like, Blackjack was going all of a sudden. They switched dealers, and I, I lost what I won. I said, well, yeah, this place was built on people losing money, not winning. The odds are always in favor of the casino. And if you're sitting down at a slot, you don't know what the odds are or when that computer chip says it's going to hit. You don't know. But if you're going to buy a stock, you could gamble and, and do the penny stocks. And I, Yeah, I need to hit a big one. I need that one eight cent one to go to a buck or you can do it methodically. Make sure you have good fundamentals, the technicals, right? Find the right buy spot, buy and diversify that thousand. So what if that one decision goes wrong? Cause every one of them aren't going to go right. Let's do things where it's in our favor to win. Well, that doesn't sound like gambling at all. No, it's not. <laughs> all right. Number two, 80% of wealthy are focused on accomplishing some single goal. Only 12% of the poor do this. I think we both pass out with flying colors. Yeah, even though I have to accomplish more than a single goal every day, but you have a focus on what you've got to do and get it done. Number three. 76% of the wealthy exercise aerobically four days a week. 23% of the poor do this. And it's not easy. You know what it takes? It takes time. It takes getting up earlier. It takes discomfort. First off, 
part of it, you have to add time to your day. And that's something we seem to talk about lately is how do you find more time? Oh, well, I'm too busy. What well, then find some time. I'm busy. What do I do? I find extra time in the morning. Get up earlier. That's what you got to push through. Once you push through it, okay, you're up and going. Once you get adjusted to those two things, you're going to feel better the rest of every day. You're going to have better quality of life and live longer. Yes. I, I can't work out in the evening. Heck, I don't get off to 8 o'clock when the show ends. Right. So I have to find my time in the morning, not in the evening. If I have one secret piece of advice, it's figure out a way to work out at home. I have a weight bench. I have some dumbbells, and I can go out to my back patio that's covered, so even if it's raining – I just had to make it as convenient for myself as possible, or I will make excuses. Number four, 63% of wealthy listen to audiobooks during the commute to work versus 5% for poor people. Ooh. I don't have but a 10-minute commute. Now, I could go back, what, 15 years ago? Yeah, my commute could be anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, depending upon traffic. What I find is trying to set aside time in the morning to read. Get some reading time in, and, and I've, I've done that for a long time. And it's just like, how do you know all this stuff? Well, I read every day. And on Sunday, I'm probably putting a few hours into that. I think a technologically updated way to state this or something that I do that would fit this is I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube that's educational. I watch the history professors or some guy oh, in an economics forum. Right. The or, whole world's different because of that because you can watch videos, you can go online, you could Google stuff. But audiobooks, like was mentioned here, is pretty cool, especially if you're committed to driving a car and going to be there for 30 minutes or so. Imagine the content you can absorb every day. So listen to that rock and roll. Hey, How it, about listening to something that's going to help you be better? And it's perfect for road trips. So which one are we on now? Number five? 81% of wealthy maintain a to-do list versus 19% of the poor. You know, I'm surprised it's 81% of the wealthy. I'm not that shocked that the poor people don't. But really, that many people have to look. Here's mine in my back pocket. Here's mine. I know you show up that I don't necessarily show up with a to-do list. I think I'm a little bit different because I have people that have my to-do lists every day. Next, number six, 63% of wealthy parents make their children read two or more nonfiction books a month versus 3% for the poor. What is going on in poor houses? I read a book if you want. If not, I don't care. 97% of poor parents don't care. It's not easy to do but you know how you train them to enjoy books is do it when they're young that they find out there's something pretty awesome there in the binder of that book and it's something you have to train them to do and encourage and reward them and i think a lot of this also is being a good example you know if you have poor parents there's a good chance that they themselves don't read so they're the kids don't Grow up watching, hey, there's dad on the on the uh, chair just reading again. If you see your parents reading, that normalizes it too. You know, it's not a foreign concept. It's interesting how much reading and self-improvement keep showing up over and over in this list. Next one. 70% of wealthy parents make their children volunteer 10 hours or more a month versus 3% of for the poor. Well, with David and the triplets, the school system 
they went through kind of pushed that pushed that and actually they probably put and, and when you say 10 hours a month um maybe it wasn't quite 10 hours but there was a focus that they had to accomplish that through the year i don't have a problem with that that was not something i monitored a lot but it is extra non-sports extracurricular stuff I would kind of add into that mix to do something besides go home and do the TV or video games. Regardless of your community, if you have food banks, it's an easy place. You, you say, well, I can't really donate. We're not talking about donate. Help them go box the stuff up and deliver it. That's easy stuff to do. You know what they make kids do at the food bank whenever you don't have uh, can drive and people donate someone has to go and look at all the expiration dates and take out the stuff that's expired yeah, or there's work to do yeah, that's what they, they make all need that kids help do. now here's an interesting one number eight 80 percent of wealthy make happy birthday calls versus 11 percent for the poor now this doesn't even touch the financial world this is all about interpersonal being a good human being basically you know this is kind of like the volunteering and the charity this is happy birthday calls gregory I can't say I do that, James. I can't say I do either. All right. Well, we failed that but, one. But look, maybe that is going on. It is something to think, think about and give a positive touch. You know, we like doing birthday cards, and we always get comments on that. You ever get a birthday card? No. Outside of me? I get no. one from my mom and one from my church. Yeah. And it might be an email or video. We We have other ways of doing it today besides the phone call and i honestly i just don't have the time to do that but there's other ways to make people feel special and those that are important to you but expand your circle of those that you reach out to in some way well i think this is this is sort of a tangent to networking how many of your business opportunities or your personal professional opportunities come from maintaining a network of people and staying in touch with people and being personable and staying on a first name basis. And next time there's an opportunity, Oh yeah, the Parker, I remember him. He, yeah, he just gave me happy birthday last month. You know, these little things add up. Number nine, Gregory, 67% of wealthy write down their goals versus 17% for the poor. All right. We, and, I, and that's kind of a thing we do every year. It is business related. How are we going to grow the business and, and what are we trying to reach? And it might be with you a personal savings goal or to get out of debt, but set some goals that you try to reach. If you miss, okay, readjust and go at it again. You've got to have a target. If you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? That's one of my favorite sayings. If you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? All right, the next one, 88% of wealthy read 30 minutes or more each day for education or career reasons versus 2% for the poor. Is this the biggest spread that we have on the sheet here? This is it. This is the big spread. Actually, we had touched on it a few days back when we were talking about doing this again because oh, of we, all we the requests about this Monday. that we had. Yeah. You know, what's the biggest spread? And it's the reading. I Actually, I touched on it up here on the audio book yep. there is putting some reading time in every day yeah if you wanted to focus that on something you know what let's i'll use investing what if you did that 30 minutes every day for five years focusing on a topic 
365 days a year for five years. Whatever it is you're in, you'll probably become one of the foremost authorities on that because that's how rarely it's done. Number 11 is a little bizarre, though. 6% of wealthy say what's on their mind versus 69% of the poor. How do you even quantify that? I, I can tell you, don't always say what's on your mind. People are getting in trouble with Twitter. Maybe that second glass of wine, you were a little too free with the tongue and said something you shouldn't have. Yeah, Roseanne. But think about what you're going to say. Are you adding value? Or are you taking it away? Are you making a comment in a group thinking you're funny, talking about somebody? Don't bring people down. Help lift up and be careful what you say. Be thought of more as a positive person and not a negative. We can always gripe, but who cares? Yeah, it's funny in the moment, but if uh, you're, you are perceived as the negative guy or you tick somebody off or, I don't know, maybe you make the claim on Twitter that you have the money for a leverage buyout option on Tesla and you don't, you know, maybe you just shouldn't say it out loud. You don't always have to say what you're thinking. This is another good one on 12. This one totally makes sense. 79% of wealthy Network five hours or more each month versus 16% of the poor. I believe that one. I believe that one, and I'd say, yeah, I do that Oh, we every we, month. We definitely kill that. 20 things the rich do every day that the poor people do not do. We're on number 13. 67% of wealthy watch one hour or less of TV every day versus 23% for the poor. Now, we need to put some caveats on this one, don't we? I... I watch more than an hour of business news and talk every day throughout the week. There's some recorded shows I'll watch here and there. And then sometimes I don't watch any, but I'm putting in a couple hours a day, but I'm going about my morning routine and my evening routine. It's just my TV's on business because otherwise I don't have time for daily sitcoms and stuff. And how's that going to help me get better? Okay, go to number 14 then. 6% of wealthy watch reality TV versus 78% of the poor. You watch any reality TV? Uh, none. You know, I don't know if that gold show with Parker, Gold Rush, oh, yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah. Gold or whatever. That, yeah, but that that's, not, that's not like light. It's, it's taped and recorded, but it's, it's about this. To me, there's a number of characters on the show, but it's about this 19-year-old kid that's been in the gold mining business since he was a kid, and his grandfather taught him, and now he, you know, he mines and pulls in millions of dollars worth of gold. But it's more, I see it from more of a business perspective than, and I don't, it's not reality, like it's not happening at the moment. That happened six, eight months ago, and they put it together but to watch somebody in a house in la or somebody in a jungle somewhere else compete for something i don't do that well let it be known then let's put the note down that the one reality show that you do watch is is more cerebral than most because you've got that versus the jersey shore or the kardashians is what most people think of with reality oh, those shows. are real i i didn't even think of those. I was thinking about some island contest. Survivor, that oh, counts. Oh, that's it, yeah. Because I'd seen that years ago. Well, I know another, so it, it technically that, counts as a reality on? show, but you, you watch it, and those that's the car auction shows. 
You'll watch that. Doesn't that kind of count as reality TV or not really? Let's just say not really. No, reality. that goes to business again. It's a it's an auction. Prices, bidding. It's like a negotiation, mm-hmm. learning skills. 44% of wealthy wake up three hours before their work starts versus 3% for the poor. That's pretty much me. Yeah, that almost fits you perfect. Um, I've kind of been ruined in that regard because for a big chunk of my career, I was on a, a morning show on the radio. I'm not waking up three hours before a 5 a.m. show If you got to be on air at 5 a.m., you're waking, waking up at 2? <laughs> no. Yeah. It's, what am I, a vampire now? On a day <laughs> like today? But that goes to the kinda? time to get your workout in, check out the business news in the morning. Look, I wake up. I woke up at 5.30 this morning, and what happens? I grab the remote, hit the power button, and uh, and what instantly comes on? The business channel. My TVs know. If you pop a screen on, it's going to a business channel. And that's where my day starts every day is what's going on what's the futures what's the discussion this morning but the the general behavior here is if you're a person who likes to sleep into the last minute possible that is not a successful behavior trait that is the lesson we know a lot of people i that like that that was me until i was about 25 until i just decided to be an adult really all right do number 16 then 74% 74% of wealthy teach good daily success habits to their children versus 1% for the poor. 1%. This is the only time 1% shows up on the list. I'll tell you, the kids don't always want to hear it. No, they but never want to hear it. Kind of like, hey, this is why we do this. You know, and part of that is the sleeping in thing. Gosh, there's wasting so much time in the morning. But were we so different as teenagers and young adults necessarily? I mean, it depends because my sister was so good. Like she would wake up and make her bed, Gregory. Who's even heard of such a thing? And I never did. My mom told me to do it every day. But my Uh sister has some kids where one of them will wake up and make his bed. Exact same parents in the exact same house. Her other two kids don't. Their room looks like a tornado at all times. Gosh, I kind of did do that. And then, of course, I was in the Army at 18 as well. That might have done me some good. Yeah. Do you make your bed every day? Now? Yeah. Yeah, it's pulled and straightened. There you go. Now, there's some more dressing it up. I'm not the pillow everywhere, but Stacy likes it all to be. Then she'll come back behind me and start straightening well, it. Well, that's her so, thing. And then the pillows go in place. And then in the evening, I'm tossing the pillows. All 28 the of side. them? When you were single before you got married and you didn't have a girlfriend or anything, how many pillows were on your bed? Two? Two. Yeah. <laughs> Something about being married. You get 28 pillows on your bed now. All right. uh, Number 17, 84% of wealthy believe good habits create opportunity and luck versus 4% of the poor. Somebody, we were having a conversation. I think it was email or something a little while back, and somebody said good luck, and Stacy responded back, it has nothing to do with luck, what we do. We work hard. Everybody, you know, they might say, Gregory, you're just, whatever you do, it turns to go. You're so lucky. No, it's hard work and you don't know the path that I went down to get here. And I don't have discussions and I don't tell people that. And it's just, think, think whatever they want. But I know the road I went down and how hard it is. If I have luck, I created it. All right, we're on number 18 now. Okay, we are going to get through this tonight. 76% of wealthy believe bad habits create detrimental luck versus 9% for the poor. 
Well, I don't know about bad luck, but I just don't like doing bad things consistently. You would bad think habits. More... Like, to me, that's like drinking soda, smoking cigarettes. Smoking cigarettes going to kill you, so that's just a horrible habit. And I'm sorry if I stepped on your toe, but did you read the side of the packet? Sugar, too much sugar. Especially people are diabetic. Do you want to become diabetic? You, your body doesn't deal well with too much sugar and it doesn't do well with the fake stuff as well maybe you need to read do some of your morning reading on that of how to be better so that's kind of what i think of bad habits see and i think that's the obvious ones i think the ones that's really weighing people down is the the small bad habits and by the small bad habits i mean not skipping dessert or not being nice to that person that you hate at work or not letting the other person uh, go first when you're oh, in a four-way stop yeah, you sign, know, you know, being a jerk yeah, and things uh, like that. Letting others go or opening the door. You go ahead. I'm good. Saying hi to people. I say hi to people all day long. I pass them. I'm going, hey. But you know what I do notice, and I do it anyhow, is they don't say anything back. There's some people I say it to a few times a week, and you know what I get? Nothing. Oh, they just look. Not even the up keep... nod? That's what dudes do. They do the up nod. Oh, oh no. It, no. There's none of that. It's like, oh, I've just always been that way. Hey, how's it going? It's a natural thing that I do. That's a positive habit. I think it's bad habits when you don't acknowledge it. There's no way of quantifying this, but I think a thousand little bad habits like that sink people more than they realize. 86% of wealthy believe in lifelong educational self-improvement versus 5% of the poor. Yeah, that one, I we can't put a stinger on that one loud enough. Uh, yeah, that's the next, probably the next widest gap besides the 30 minutes of reading. That is the second Every day. Gap. And that's just since college, I've been on the self-improvement kick ever since. How do I be a better person? I think the college system is outdated. Have I said this on the show before to where if you, when you grow up, if you want to have a profession, you just learn the profession and you do it the rest of your life. But you know, we're past the year 2000 by quite a big clip here. You learn everything you learn in college. And in 10 years, that's obsolete. You have to keep learning the equivalent of a bachelor's oh, degree. Oh, that's, I tell people that you think college was it. I finished with school and that's where the learning started. Amen. I'm telling you, if I was resting on those laurels, I'd be a loser. Number 20, 86% of wealthy love to read versus 26%. There it is again. Yeah, that's a big one too. Huge spread. And look, I'm so grateful. Uh, My oldest kid, he's about to turn eight. He loves to read because he figured out, man, there's all kinds of stuff in here in these books. Thanks for hanging out today. We do this six days a week. Catch all of our episodes live and on podcast with the Winning at Life app. What is your retirement story? Let us help you build a retirement story that you will be proud of. Let us be your guide, your Sherpa. My office number is 504-832-9200 or go to gregoryricks.com. Join the Winning at Life Nation. Your home away from the show, winningatlife.com and the Winning at Life app. We are Winning at Life with Gregory Ricks.
Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management, Gregory Rickson Associates, W.J. Blanchard Law, LLC, J. Heath and & Company, and Mortgage Gumbo are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. Only it is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. Annuities are insurance contracts designed for retirement or other long-term needs. They provide guarantees of principal and credited interest subject to surrender charges. Annuity guarantees and protections are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurer. Roth conversion is a taxable event and may have several tax-related consequences. Be sure to consult with a qualified tax advisor before making any decisions regarding your IRA. Hypothetical examples have been provided for illustrative purposes only. It does not represent a real-life scenario and should not be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. Gregory Rickson Associates is not permitted to offer and no statement made during the show shall constitute legal or tax advice. Our firm is not affiliated or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Gregory Rickson Associates. We are Winning at Life with Gregory Ricks.